Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace, the United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story Reading. So as many of you know, we're in a series that we're calling The Music That Made Us. We're asking all of you to come up with a song list, different songs. People have been emailing me this summer, different songs that have been moving to them or impactful to them at different times in their life. And almost every email I get comes with either a small story or a long story of how the song has made an impact and why and what type of um, experience they were in. And so it's been really beautiful to read so many stories and to hear why these songs are, are meaningful to people. This song was one that Missy emailed me about and said that she would like to sing with Laura accompanying. And so they've been working on this. Um, it's a song by Lauren Daigle called Thank God I Do. This song reminds us of how we are known by God and that God meets us in the midst of the hardest moments because we have a with us God. So this is Thank God. I do, written by Lauren Daigle, by Missy, accompanied by Laura. That song, I've listened to it a few times since you sent it to me, and every time I hear it, and especially today, it's made more and more of an impact the more I've listened to it, which is what a good song does over time, is that it keeps working on you. And um, I think it's just a beautiful song to remind us not only of God's presence, but that there's a sense of identity that comes with that relationship with God, that we, we learn more about who we are and feel more confident in who we are because we are, are known by God and because God is with us. And um, so, Missy, thank you for reminding us of that. Thank you for, um, for just doing such a beautiful job. So what I wanted to do with that song and with this message today was talk about stories and the stories that we tell ourselves when we're going through life. Um, I'm, I, I really love a Brown, we could probably do like about eight book series and a podcast series with her work because it's so good and so expansive uh, at this point. I got connected to Brene Brown's work pretty early on after her, I think, second book came out, Daring Greatly, uh, and just kind of fell in love with her research um, because it's so meaningful for how we understand ourselves, how we understand our relationship to other people. And one of the things that what she talked about in one of the books was, what is the story that you're telling yourself in whatever situation you find yourself in. So let me give you an example of this. So 
When I was driving the other day with the, my boys in the back seat, well, actually one boy sitting next to me in the front, the 13-year-old, because he's tall enough and big enough now, so he could sit in the front seat, thinks he's super cool, but he also knows there's no touching dad or the radio or the air or anything else for that matter. And whenever I get annoyed, I get to tickle him and he can't do anything back. It's the best. I love that he sits in the front seat now because I get to torture him anytime I want. And he can't do anything about it. Young one sits in the back and complains that he's all by himself. I don't care. Just be quiet. Don't kick my seat. So sometimes we get in a hurry going from one thing to the next because sometimes they have an appointment on this side of town. We got to get the football practice on this side of town. We got to get to school over here. We got to get the grandmas over there, whatever it is. And so we're hustling about town, trying to navigate our way through, you know, the other season we have in Minnesota, construction season as opposed to winter. And so as we're trying to navigate all the cones and all the cars and all the whatever, sometimes you get cut off, right? And so when you're in the midst of the flow of things and you suddenly get cut off and you have to slow down and you're in a hurry, sometimes you get what? Ang angry, right? Mad, frustrated. Sometimes you want to yell at the other driver, right? Sometimes you just want to, what in the world? And the boys are like, why'd they do that? No, no, no. And then there's like a rage thing that happens in the car, right? And you just hope it doesn't spill out over the car and into the other other car. But you just get really frustrated, right? And sometimes you experience that and you react out of that. You do something that you shouldn't do or you say something you shouldn't say because a lot of times the way that we navigate things is that an experience happens to us, we feel an emotion, and then out of that motion, we react. And so it's an experience, an emotion, and then a reaction. That's normally how life goes. But psychologists will tell us that there's actually a different pattern in life that there's actually a pattern of an experience, and then there's a story that we tell, and then there's an emotion that we have, and then there's a reaction to that emotion. It's not a story that we're actually like sitting down and going, once upon a time, Jason was driving down the street with his boys in the car, and they were in a big hurry. And then a car cut them off, and they got really frustrated by that. And so they decided to feel the sense of anger well up inside them. They identified that anger and then decided very consciously to react out of it by playing the trumpet with just their middle fingers. Just kidding, okay? Wouldn't do that. Okay, is this church or Saturday? I, I don't know, whatever. So you get the idea. That's not exactly how the story goes, right? The story is in the back of your mind, in your subconscious, I'm late, I'm in a hurry. I need to be there. I'm letting people down if I don't. I'm going to be seen as less than if I don't get there on time. I'm going to be seen as a bad dad if I don't get them to the thing on time. I'm not going to be a responsible parent in the eyes of the other parents. All those stories are flooding into your brain in a matter of milliseconds, and it causes you to feel a sense of emotion because you got cut off, and then you react out of that emotion. So here's what I would like to propose today. Two things. One, we have to pause after the emotion ask ourselves, is there a better story to tell? We can, we, can, we, can, we can hijack the experience, story, emotion, reaction by pausing after the emotion and saying, is the story that I'm telling myself the best story? Or is there a different story to tell? The emotion isn't the problem. Anger is not a problem. We should get angry about things. Some things we don't need to get angry about, but we do. Some things we very, very should get angry about. The question is, what story are we going to tell in order for our reaction to be a good one, to be one that's holy and honoring of ourselves, of God, of others, and of how we are building creation together? So we need to hijack this way of doing things by asking ourselves, what's the story that I'm telling 
And is it the best story? Because if I were to identify the emotion of anger and say, ooh, you're feeling anger right now, let's slow down and ask ourselves, what should we do with that anger? And then I might be like, I know what I want to do with that anger. I want to do a few things with that anger, right? Like I just said. Or I could pause and say, what's a better story here, Jason? The story that I'm telling myself is that I'm a bad dad, I'm an irresponsible parent, I'm going to make people late, people won't be able to count on me. Are those really who you are? Is that really how people see you? And the answer is no. I'm actually a very present dad. I'm actually a pretty responsible parent. I'm a good parent of the football team. I'm a good school member. I don't know what I am as a parent of a school. I'm not on the school board, whatever. I'm just a person that has kids in school, but I'm a good one of those. Like, I'm a good human being. I'm not traditionally late to things. I pride myself on promptness. So all these narratives that I've told myself that resulted in anger are not actually true. And whatever story I've told about that driver, people like that drive like that. You know, that person just doesn't have any sense of respect for anyone else on the road. The car that they're driving has a dent in the side. They've probably done this before. And that's what they, that's how responsible they are. So I'm telling stories about myself. And I'm also telling stories about the other person. But what if I pause that story as well and say, you know what? All those initial unconscious bias stories that you tell yourself about other people, whether there's a dent in the car, whether they look different from you or whatever it is, what if you pause that story and tried to tell a different one? What if you you just made up a story? What if you were like, their wife just called and the baby's on the and they better cut me off. Like, holy cow, they need, they, their emergency is a way bigger priority than my emergency. I am so glad they cut me off. Now, some of you are like, uh-uh, I'm not telling that story. That's a stupid story. Totally get it. Okay, but what if you just told a different story? What if you just said, hey, maybe this isn't something that they're comfortable with and they're really not excited to drive today. Maybe it's not something that they do often and maybe they're doing the best that they can. Maybe the sun is shining in a certain way where they didn't see me and they merged into traffic. And yeah, it was not the way I would have wanted it. But I find myself in that situation too, where people have honked at me because the sun kind of blinded my blind spot. Like, I get it. I've been there myself. And so when we tell that slightly different story, we give ourselves an opportunity for empathy towards the other person that allows us to react differently. Because if I, if I hijack that flow of emotion and then reaction, and I tell a different story in the middle of it, I have the opportunity to react differently in that moment. Now, I'll be honest, when I'm driving on the road, I don't always react differently in the moment. I want to because it's an example to the two people sitting one next to me and one behind me. When dad can keep a calm demeanor in the face of being frustrated, that tells them something. Right? So the other day, I did not do a good job of this. Normally when I'm driving, I'm actually a pretty decent storyteller where I can like remind myself to like keep your calm. It's just driving. Like You're just going to get there when you get there. It's okay, Jason. But the other day, someone was supposed to pick up my son and take him to an appointment, and they didn't show up. And I called the company that was supposed to come pick him up, and they said, sorry, we don't have any record of your son having a ride today. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I was so mad because I had to get one kid to the park, one kid downtown Minneapolis. I had to go meet Laura for coffee. And I was going to be late. I was going to be all over Minneapolis. And I was so frustrated. And I let that out big time in the car. My boys were like, Dad, we've never seen you like this. 
And I was like, this is what happens when people don't do what they say they're going to do. And they're like, ooh. And I'm like, she'll always show up. And they're just like, got it, check. We'll always be on time. And I was just so hot. And I dropped off the little one. The older one and I were going down to his thing. And I was still frustrated. And he goes, dad, do you remember that time when someone almost hit me on the golf cart when we were at the cabin and grandma was there and she freaked out on that person? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you're kind of reminding me of grandma right now. And I was like, ooh, grandma got real hot real fast. And if that's what dad's like, we need to simmer down now. Like, ooh. And so I had to take a breath and go, buddy, my reacting right now isn't the healthiest version of daddy. Doesn't mean that the person was right in what they did, but my reaction isn't helping the situation at all. So what story are we telling ourselves in the midst of what's going on? And here's the thing about telling the stories to ourselves. The better we get at telling ourselves an alternative story, what that can do for us is not only does it change that hijacking of the you know, situation, emotion, reaction, and we hijack it by inserting a new story, but when we tell ourselves a new story often enough, it can start to change that subconscious, unconscious story that we had at the beginning. And so if I can start telling a new story, I can actually reshape the story that naturally comes out. So now when I'm driving and I get cut off, instead of thinking I'm a bad dad, I'm a horrible parent, I'm going to be late, I'm always late, people are going to think negatively of me, actually start rewiring that story so that I don't tell that story anymore. I'm just a guy who got cut off on the way to the next thing. And that's okay. It doesn't affect my identity. It doesn't affect how people see me. I'm going to show up when I show up. My kids are going to be fine. It's all going to be safe as long as we're not in a car accident. And so I can actually, by hijacking the story, I can start to rewire the unconscious one that I had. You're probably wondering, okay, how's he going to do this with the Bible? I get it. This is what Paul is writing to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. People have memorized this one. They have counted on this one. As soon as I told my wife what the song was about last night, and she said, so what are you going to go with, do with that? And I said, well, I'm actually going to do Romans 8, 38 and 39, where it talks about neither height nor depth. She was like, oh, that's the passage I was thinking of. And I was like, oh, I knew I married you for a good reason. Um, you like the Bible. Um, so what's going on here in Romans is that the people, the Christian community in Rome are made up of Romans and Jewish Christians. And they are not getting along. And they are under persecution by the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire has just killed Jesus, and now they're saying, hey, these Christians that follow this guy are not a good idea. We need to take them out too. And so they're being persecuted by Rome, and the two factions of Christians, the Jews and the Romans, are not getting along. And so Paul's writing a letter to them saying, hey, you guys are all not doing healthy things. You are all falling short of God's glory. You need to trust in grace. Because the prevailing narrative at the time was that there must be something wrong with us. We must not be doing this Christian thing right. We must be falling short of what God wants for us because we're getting persecuted 
left and right. This isn't going the way it should. We are not finding ourselves in a good situation. And so there must be something we're doing wrong. They're telling themselves a story that isn't an accurate one. And so Paul comes along and says, before you just mess all this up, let me remind you. Let me tell you a better story. In the face of persecution, in the face of conflict, in the face of disagreement, in the face of pain, immeasurable pain, unjust pain, there's a different story. Verse 37 of this passage says, because of this, you are actually more than conquerors. Like The narrative that you've told yourself is not correct. Your perseverance through this makes you victorious. Your ability to withstand this with grace makes you a conqueror because nothing can separate you from Christ's love. You will have that eternally. So live in that love, even towards the people you don't get along with in your community and even towards those who are oppressing you. You need to be love. And nothing separates you from the love of of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is trying to give them a better story so that they can navigate the hardest and most difficult of circumstances. Now, I have used like driving a car on the freeway or having someone not show up to give my kid a ride as examples of hardship. Those are not exactly examples of hardship. Those are just kind of momentary fleeting, you know, disruptions to life. They're not the hard things that people go through. I totally get that. I don't want to minimize the pain that people have experienced, whether it's systemic pain or whether it's deep personal attacks on your person or on who you are. Those types of things are serious and we shouldn't put them in the same category as someone cutting us off in traffic. But the stories that we tell and the way that we navigate through those things are still a way to go through it. What story are we telling about the people who have done us wrong? What story are we telling about the system that has caused us pain? How can we see that story as one that we have power to influence, that we have power to protest, that we have power to impact? What is the story that we can tell that gets us to a place where we can have agency again in the midst of that hard circumstance that we find ourselves in? I think one of the beautiful things about all of the songs and pieces of today's service is that they are all telling us a story to help us navigate the things that we go through in life. And I want to run through those before we get to communion because I think it's really beautiful the way this service just kind of naturally, organically came together. The first song that we sang was When Creation Was Young. And it's a story of original blessing. I think sometimes we think that we're created sinful and awful and that, thank God, there's grace. Thank God Jesus loves us because without that, I'm just a horrible human. And to some degree, you might not be wrong. We all tend to veer towards a path of selfishness or greed, but creation was made beautiful. You were made beautiful. You were good. When God formed you, it was pronounced good. That's the story that originally was sung over you. Not a story of 
oh man, that baby's awful. Thank God I showed up. No, God was like, oh, look at that creation made in my image. How wonderful, how beautiful, how much potential is that? It's a story of original blessing. The Song of the Beatitudes is a story of God with us, that in the midst of all of the challenges of life, the mourning that we go through, the hard things, the need to offer mercy, God is with us. We did a whole series about this last fall, the God who is with us in the midst of the hard things. Then the song, Thank God I Do, as we talked about earlier, is a story of being known that when we go through the hardest things in life and we start to question, who am I? I don't even know who I am anymore. Like everything that's hitting me and attacking me and coming at me feels like it's telling me a story that I don't, I don't even know who I am in the midst of all this. And that song reminds us of who we are because we are known by God. Communion is a story of Christ's invitation to participation. It's a story of Christ saying to the disciples and saying to all of us, I'm inviting you to do this too, to remember me, to remember the covenant, to remember the mission that we have. This this shalom reconciliation of all things, this movement towards resurrection that we are all participating in. That's what this is, a table of invitation. We're invited to that story. After we take communion, we're going to hear the song before we have our blessing called House of God Forever. And it's a story of God's presence, that God is present with us when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd is there to protect us. The shepherd is preparing a meal, inviting us to spend eternity in the house of God forever. It's a story of God's presence with us. These stories that we're telling in this service, the stories of original blessing, the story of a with us God, a story of being known by God, a story of an invitation to participation, a story of God's presence, these are all stories that no matter what we're going through and what we're experiencing and what we're feeling, they can hijack that narrative in order for us to react out of being known, loved, and a God who is with us and a God who is inviting us to participate in the reconciliation and renewal and resurrection of all things. That's what we are being invited into. That's what story we get to tell. And the more often we tell that story, the more often we remember, the more often we eat this meal, the more often we remember who we are because of whose we are, the more often we are We are reminded of how known we are by God from our very beginning until the day we die to eternity. The more often we tell that story, the more often we change the conscious story that we have about who we are so that out of that story, we can enter with joy and patience. We can enter with goodness. We can enter the world with love. So. The question we have is what story are we telling? What story are we telling? When we experience hardship, when we have little disruptions to life, what story are you telling? And how is that story shaping who you are? Let's pray. Gracious God, we are, we are grateful 
for songs that remind us of your presence. We're grateful for scriptures and prayers that remind us that you are telling a big story of goodness, a story of reconciliation, a story of resurrection. And we are grateful that no matter what trials we go through, no matter what the hardship is, whether it's persecution on a big scale or whether it's small disruptions, that God, nothing separates us from your love. We are grateful that that is our story. May we trust that story. May we count on that story. May that story become the story of our lives as we move through all of life's moments. We ask in the name of the present with us God, Christ, whose spirit resides in us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.